KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Mike Darty. Voters in New Jersey have spoken by a margin of about two to one. They passed a ballot measure that legalized marijuana for adult recreational use. Now that the vote is over, what happens next? How long will the weed take to hit store shelves? Where will it even be sold? We reached out to an expert, attorney Bill Caruso, who has been deeply involved in the cannabis conversation in Trenton to answer these questions and others about what legal weed looks like in the Garden State. So New Jersey is one of the more uh, blue states in the entire country. Uh, How is it that it's taken so long for this to happen? What were some of the hurdles? What were some of the obstacles blocking this? Because it seems as though, you know, there hasn't been a lack of support all along. You know, the vote passed by nearly two to one, and I can't imagine it would have been much different five years ago. So what's been the holdup here? It was. um, And and it's it's been a great issue to look at how advocacy matters. Um, The polling was in the mid 40s several years ago, and there was a newness to adult use. There was still a taboo and cultural issue around cannabis use. Medical was becoming uh, more commonplace and more accepted, but adult use wasn't. And so in a short period of time through, I think, good advocacy, but also, you know, facts matter. You look at other jurisdictions, the sky hasn't fallen in Colorado, California, uh, Oregon and out west. We've seen Massachusetts now experiment with this effort and and doing so fairly successfully. Uh, I think what really the issues here were, it's not partisan. This is an issue that crosses racial lines, geographic lines, and, and, and certainly on a, a partisan line. Uh, there is support in the Republican Party. In fact, one of the most conservative members of the New Jersey Assembly is no longer an assemblyman. Michael Patrick Carroll was one of the original sponsors of the adult use bill. The issues here were, frankly, more attributable to age. I think we had older members of the legislature that had concerns, and they had concerns based on everything that they had learned from the reefer madness of the 60s and 70s and had to unlearn. And I think there were legitimate questions. Some were based on how the revenue would be spent. Some of this was going to be based on uh, public safety issues. Uh, there were concerns about access for teens, all of which, by the way, we have sort of proven track record in the other states. We are, uh, you know, dealing with the issues of drug driving. We have been already uh, with drug recognition officers. Police are trained that way. And we've also seen in, in every jurisdiction that's legalized adult use marijuana uh, we've seen that the um, uh, teen use has gone down. So there's facts that you can actually present to rebut this record. And then the last piece, I think, still comes back to cultural. And there were many legislators that still felt that they wanted the public to support this first. And, well, the public did overwhelmingly on Tuesday night. So what happens now? Um, It's, you know, I don't think anyone thinks that they're going to be able to go out and, you know, roll a joint and walk around the streets and smoke in public or anything like any anytime soon. But what what sort of is the timeline going forward now? Sure. No, it's a great question. And sadly, some people do and they're wrong. Um, the constitutional amendment is the first part. The next part, ironically, is we're back to the legislature. The legislature has to enact a legislation now to set the framework. The Constitution allows for the adult use of cannabis, allows for a tax rate, and allows for a couple other things in the Constitution, but it doesn't set statutory framework or regulatory framework. So that's the urgency now. Now that the people have spoken, the legislature has to speak and the governor has to sign into law 
the basic framework of this law. It doesn't have to be perfect. There's going to be opportunities to modify it for you know months, years, decades to come. This is a whole new area of law. Um, they have an urgency to do that now because if they don't, this constitutional amendment really takes an effect in broad form without any guidance in, in the new year. And that leads to a lot of confusion. So happily, I think what you're going to see in short order is the legislature is moving expeditiously now to introduce the draft bill that will get heard in committee. And uh, the goal at this point is to pass a bill on the 16th of November. We'll see. Uh, If they don't, they have time on the clock. But um, there's a goal to get this done before the year's out. Can you go back a little bit? You mentioned something about if it doesn't happen soon, there's going to be a a broad I, I don't remember the wording exactly. It was a, sort of a, a, a broad adoption of it. Uh, w- what does that mean? It means a lot of things to a lot of people because we don't really know. What, what happened on Tuesday night is the voters approved a constitutional amendment without rules, right, and, and sort of outlining who can sell, where it can be sold, how much it can be sold. That's left open now. So hypothetically, if someone were to be selling marijuana openly now uh, in a parking lot somewhere. And what would happen? Well, they would be they still would be subject to arrest. They would still be subject to prosecution. It is potential likely that in court, the case could be thrown out and we'd set court precedent now for what would be tolerable and what wouldn't be tolerable in terms of a market, in terms of who could be arrested. That's not the way this is supposed to work. It's not how it's going to work either. The legislature will act and, and adopt the framework, all the rules that need to go. And then there's a regulatory commission that's going to be seated that will ultimately tinker with the statute going forward and set out regulatory rules that will help both industry and others that will uh, deal with who can sell, when it can be sold, how much can be sold, what does the labeling look like, all of that. Like That will come out in regulation. I think we're a ways off from that. When you say a ways off, how long? What are you, what are you thinking? So the, the, the drafts of this uh, legislation, which originally were married to where we were with an update to the medical laws, contemplated that the current operators, there are 12 here in New Jersey right now, and there are 24 pending. Uh, uh, there's a, a litigation in the courts holding up those decisions, but 24 new operators pending. It, it is likely that the current 12 that are up and running um, would be able to get local approval first. That's the one, first criteria. And then would have to have state approval from the DOH, the Department of Health, or this Cannabis Regulatory Commission that they have enough patient supply. Once that happens, again, if this is what's included in the final law, they would be able to start selling adult use. Realistically, we're nowhere close to that. I mean, we're probably earliest third quarter of 2021 before you start seeing adult use sales in New Jersey. I think it's probably closer to the end of 2021. There's been a, you know, a handful of states, as you mentioned, that already have this in place. Is New Jersey, do you think, going to adopt some of the, some of the best practices and rules from other states and sort of come up with their own plan? Or how is this going to work? Without question. It's like a gumbo. Um, and that's one of the benefits of not being first. But we certainly didn't want to be last. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, Jersey is using experiences from a variety of other states and, by the way, using some failures as well. One of the concerns right now, and it's still a fight and it's one that I hope gets resolved, is over patient home grow, the ability for patients to be able to grow their own medicine. 
Other states have it. Jersey's unique in the fact that it doesn't. But in fact, that is as a result of a lesson learned in Colorado, although a little bit extended. Colorado experimented with a co-op program that really they, they attributed to being a failure. Part of the goals here of the policymakers is to get rid of the black market and to have this more of a regulated market. So these are the tensions that you're trying to figure out. Some states have done that right. Some states have done that wrong. Jersey's going to try to find the blend between what makes sense for patients, but also what forces folks to come inside into a regulated market. How do you see a regulated market working in New Jersey? Is it going to be a, uh, you know, a a town by town thing? Is it going to be dispensaries or are there going to be state state operated stores? What, what do you think might happen there? Yeah, the beauty of not going last for our state is we are setting our own rules. We're not really this with the absence of law at the federal level and the, the, the necessity that each state set up its own market, uh, its own rules, but it's but it's actual own market. We can't import marijuana from California or adjacent states. Everything has to be self-contained here, the grow, the processing, and the retail. And Jersey is generally a home rule state where mayors have a lot of control. So the going trend at this point has been, if you don't want it in your town, you don't have to have it. And the constitutional amendment um, grants municipalities that do host these facilities in their town the ability to assess a 2% tax in addition to their property taxes and and other fees and taxes. So there's a benefit, in at least a financial one, to having these. There's also a lot of benefit regarding redevelopment in other communities, but it's not for every community. Municipalities are really going to be able to decide the the local siting and local zoning. What the state wants to figure out is what makes sense in terms of broad numbers across the state. They also want to make sure that they're pushing, and this will probably happen more at a regulatory level, that there's adequate supplies on the patient side. Um, that's still a, 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 a significant concern of this department, that there is not enough supply and not enough diversity of supply for patients. But there's also going to be a new concern that there's adequate information out for the public, labeling, um, content, THC, all these things that are going to be very new to a consumer market in New Jersey, the state's going to regulate those things. So you'll see a blend of local and state government working together the other side of this, by the way, is the revenue side and, and where will the savings be reinvested and where will the local and then state revenues that are generated from this be reinvested? That's still subject to debate at the legislative level and then will be subject <laughs> for debate for many years as the revenue continues to flow in. New Jersey obviously is known as the garden state. Is the is there enough real estate in the state to, to grow the amount that is going to you know need be needed to reach demand. Yeah, without question. And here, here's the uh, Jersey's plan is not to allow for open air growing. One, our climate doesn't suit it. But again, culturally, there's there was a concern of having you know a densely populated state like New Jersey having this you know grown alongside cornfields in the open air. So it's going to be warehouse and greenhouse growing. Interestingly, in a lot of places, um, Patterson, New Jersey. Um, in, in, in southern New Jersey, in sort of older office parks, there's a lot of warehouse space that isn't really useful for the massive warehouses that Amazon and other distribution companies need. But there's a value for a grow facility or something to be cited there. So I think what we're starting to see is there is an explosion of, of potential real estate. 
And this is something that's been interesting for a lot of different reasons here. Again, I said there isn't a partisan issue. The mayor of Shimong in a very conservative area in Burlington County is interested in housing grow operations. They're, they're a farm community. And um, he has publicly stated that he's interested. The, ma- the mayor of Elk, I think, in, in Gloucester County has also said they're, again, a farming community. Um, I think you'll see a lot of greenhouse space grows. I think you'll see a lot of warehouse space grows. The, the innovation, though, I think is going to occur. You said we're the garden state. We, we also have roots as a pharma state. And there's a processing component to this industry that's very interesting. It's everything from a bakery and a candy store or candy sh- uh, uh, manufacturer, I should say, for a variety of different products, particularly in the commercial space. But it, it moves into a, a more technical and, and sophisticated place with meter dose inhalers and transdermal patches and, and lozenges and a variety of other things that look like a more traditional pharma um, manufacturing space. And that is probably more akin to where you are in the medical world. But it, it is a broad, broad, broad area of this industry. And so we're hopeful that New Jersey's pharma roots help, too. Um, and these are significant jobs, you know, um, the jobs that are coming in here as a result of um, cannabis expansion range from everything from the retail side, which is still great benefits, um, offering health plans and decent salaries, decent wages um, to, you know, science, uh, research and other sort of higher end jobs in this market. So it, it, it's really an exciting time, I think, for not just New Jersey, but what's going on in this industry. Do you think the big guys like J&J are going to get you know heavily involved? I think they will. Um, I think there's going to be room for a lot of different people to be involved in this. Um, I think you're going to see J&J and Big Pharma get involved. I think you're going to see hospitals get involved. I think you're going to see research institutions get get involved. I think you're going to see Big Liquor get involved. In fact, they already have. Um, I think you're going to see food processing manufacturers, a lot of overlap there, get involved. I think you're going to see supermarkets potentially get involved. You're also seeing law firms get involved and engineering firms get involved. And um, it's interesting. I met a gentleman at an event who was adamantly opposed to this. It was going to hurt his business. He has to test his employees because it's a manufacturing facility and he was fearful they'd all be on drugs and he, he wouldn't be able to impl- have employees work for him. And I asked him what he did. And he told me he's in the plastic manufacturing bag and, and component manufacturing um, and I, basically serving high-end electronic component manufacturers to produce the plastic coverings and plastic bags. And I said, do you ever think about being a supplier to this industry? And he looked at me and he said, do you think I could? And I said, sure. You're in New Jersey. These companies are coming in from Colorado, Oregon, California. They're not bringing their plastic bags with them. They're looking for somebody like you. And there's a whole security component to this. And so we converted a potential supplier to the cannabis industry. That's amazing. How you mentioned uh, previously um, the the liquor industry that they might get involved, and in fact they they've kind of already dipped a toe in the water. Uh, how so? What, what are they What are they doing um, now, and what might be they be doing going forward? Great and great question, by the way. Right now, and you can Google this. There's been um, I think each of these sort of big beer places, and I this is not my space. I'm a 46 year old ma- married man with three kids. I'm out of the beer and partying, and <laughs> uh, but. The, the hard seltzer space that's sort of just creeped up out of nowhere and just kind of taken on a new life and everybody's got one. I think you're going to start to see that both in the CBD space. That's a different space. That's the hemp CBD space, non 
hallucinogenic. But I, but I do think you're going to start to see be, the beverage community ch- transition to a THC space. And there, ha- I, I can't remember whoever owns Corona now was was uh, I read a, a a couple months ago was exploring this. I don't think you've seen your soft your soft drink manufacturers there yet. I think on CBD, yes, but not THC. But the liquor folks, yeah, you're going to start to see whether it's their own branding or some THC-infused beverages that are going to start to work off of. That's a hot area that, uh, for growth. Oh, and then oh, you no. asked me what's coming no. also. Yeah, yeah. In New Jersey, this is really wonky. So I, you know, I'll, I'll just say this, but I don't think you should dive into this. There's a, third, there's a fourth license. We, I mentioned some of the licenses out there. We have a, a grow license, a processing license, the vertical integration of all of the licenses together. That's what we have right now, the 12 operators, and then standalone retail. There's also this other weird license called a wholesale license that no one's really figured out what to do yet. Um, in New Jersey, in the three-tiered liquor system, which is a whole, you know, another sidebar, liquor wholesale is a big deal. And it's a monopoly. And so there was some talk that the liquor folks were going to try to jump into this space on the wholesale side and, and, and basically force a wholesaling effort where everything had to go through a wholesale warehouse first. That's where the taxes and fees would be assessed and then distributed out, kind of get their VIG on it, if you will, in the middle. It's still a, a, an issue that's up for debate around the nation, up for debate in New Jersey, how that's going to work. But liquor is in, involved in the wholesale distribution of liquor and they're they were looking to try to keep a foothold into the wholesale distribution of cannabis. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Mike Darty, and we'll have another episode out soon.